Vacation is always one of those conundrums for a pastor. You you look forward to it, you long for it, and then when he gets there and Sunday comes, you're kind of like, ah, I belong somewhere else on this day, and it's good to the Lord to remind us that um, he can use anyone to bless his church. So I'm grateful for Pastor Sotwell filling in for us last Sunday, and thank you for supporting him and the church by many of you being here for that. Excited to be back with you today, continue on in our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. It was good to just have some time away to ponder some of these thoughts over the last week. But I'm going to invite Brother uh, Ted to read our scripture this morning for us from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Thank you, brother, for that reading this morning. It's good to be reminded of, of the fact that our salvation is not of our own doing, but of Christ's doing. Certainly something that can reflect on our identity, that it is not our performance or the deeds that we accomplish that obtains our salvation, but by grace alone, God accomplishes that work in us. This morning, we're going to look uh, through the lens of this passage, this sermon series that we're involved in of discovering our true identity in Christ. It's all been with a caveat of being in Christ. And so we come to this passage this morning and thinking in my heart about um, the identity crisis in the church can be summed up by the graph that you see. And if you're close enough to see it, um, you've got different mainline denominations. The top blue line is the traditional evangelical church. Um, You've got the Catholic church. You've got the mainland Protestant church in orange, black Protestant Jewish, and for the most part, over the last 40-some years or more, uh, you have seen a constant steady decline in involvement in any kind of what we consider mainline Christian church. It is, In fact, I remember in Bible college 20 years ago seeing a similar article about mainline Protestant churches, and it was showing the same kind of decline. The red line that you see there, and it's very recent um, research within the last few months, uh, the red line is uh, those who identify to have no religion at all in the United States of America. And it is skyrocketing up. Uh, just, it's just almost literally off the church. 
the amount of people in our nation today who uh, identify as having no religion at all. And uh, depending on who writes the, the article reflecting on the research, you're going to get a lot of different perspectives about what this means. And a lot of articles that I read reflecting on this um, provide rich fodder for the church to be afraid, rich fodder for the church to be discouraged and feel defeated and depressed. And so you hear things like the church is dying or God must not be real or Maybe the church members have bought a lie, or they're wasting our time, or you're on the losing side. And the struggle for the Christian is to see research like that for, like I said, at least the last 20 years, and not a whole lot is changing, um, is to let that kind of news shape our identity as a capital C church. The things are going downhill fast, and there's nothing that we can do about it. And it can be discouraging, it can be depressing, and it can be something that can cause even defeat in our spiritual life. So I just want to encourage you, as the Lord encouraged me, to be careful where you get your news from. Be careful and make sure that when you get your news, you get it from the Bible. You get your news about who you are from the Scriptures and from the Holy Spirit, and maybe not from your network of choice. I got in trouble for naming a network in the past, so uh, we all have our chosen preference. But I'd say the Scriptures is the best place for us to go to discover, rediscover who we are in Christ. And that article that was attached to this basically said the church is going downhill and we don't know if it's going to make it or not. That's the kind of cultural mandate that's being forced upon us as a church, or we can allow it to be forced upon us, and it becomes our identity. We look around and we think, think, see things going down and, and we let that shape the image of who we are as a church. And I think in this passage that Paul provides for us this morning, there are uh, a couple of truths, three in particular, that we could look at this morning to, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us make sure our identity is in the right place. Uh, first of all, not in numbers. It's not in you know some research article or somebody's opinion, but it's rooted in what the Scripture says about who we are, where we come from, and what we're all about. And this morning, we're going to look at this passage together and find three truths that we see about the capital C church and about ourselves. And the first one is, you'll see it on the screen, and it's maybe not the most positive thought that we could have, but it says, if you could put it up there for me, Kim, uh, since my phone is deciding to buzz and I don't know why, is that we are born dead. Now, there's a positive way to start the message, right? <laughs> We are born dead. Paul says that you were essentially from the womb, dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to live. And Paul's willing to have a heart-to-heart with his congregation, with his readers, to say that before you became a Christian, literally from your mother's womb, you had a nature born towards sin. From, the, from your mother's womb, that was your identity as a sinner before God. You're not able to save yourself. You're not able to move towards God on your own. In fact, the only kind of heartbeat that you could have is because God did spiritual resuscitation on you, either by his word or by the voice of his spirit or through worship. God was our constant and is our constant EMT to provide the spiritual pulse in our life. And Paul, if you look at it, and I'm not going to take the time to break down the six things that he talks about in those opening couple of verses about their, about their beginnings, about the way they were born and about the way they kind of 
were initially fashioned as a human being until the Holy Spirit came on the scene, they were born spiritually dead. Now, in our culture today, uh, we're told even, and it's interesting because the numbers are skyrocketing that no one wants religion, apparently, or more people um, have no interest in religion than ever before, and those who do are putting the pressure on us that we all uh, can find God in our own way. In fact, even some presidents have told us that every religion points to God. If you just listened uh, carefully or you just follow the tenets of your faith, all religions lead to heaven. And that, I guess, proves to me how we really need God's life breathed into us, literally, in order for us to hear the Holy Spirit of God. By our nature, by our own tendencies, we will walk away from the truth of God's word and begin to form our own truths about what we believe about God. And so we live in a culture today that, for the most part, is bent on telling God what we believe and making our truth his. It's a troubling scene that I see over and over again in our culture today and and meeting with church people and and meeting with people in the community is is they don't want to hear about what God says. They want God to hear about what they believe. Even in our own denomination within North Just Yearly Meeting, it's been a struggle that we've had to go through for years of, of a group of people essentially saying, we think that this is what the Bible has said all along and the church historically has messed it up, and, and God is really saying this. And we can, have, um, we can have a civil argument, a civil discussion, and be kind and respectful of each other, but at the same time, we have to be careful not to allow our culture to define what truth is in place of the truth that God has already said. And this is a sticky wicket because of our families and our emotions and our own opinions. And what Paul is saying is that on our own, our own natural tendencies are not going to be towards truth, not going to be towards God, not going to be towards the things of God. They're going to be towards our own ideas, our own opinions. And we want God to be shaped around and through our own beliefs and opinions. And it's so pervasive in our culture today, even within the church, then now it seems to be, it feels to me at least, that it's the acceptable norm for someone to come and say, no, I don't agree with this, and so this is the new truth for me. And everyone then is allowed to form their own opinion of truth. And before long, we have no authority of the scriptures anymore. It's just left up to our own interpretations. And Paul goes back to the beginning of their spiritual life and says, born As a sinner, you were lost. He said you were trapped and dead even, in fact, in your own trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now in darkness. And you know, you've all heard the phrase in the Bible, no one can serve two masters. And Paul says following the kingdom of darkness means that you're you're living in spiritual death. There's no life in you. There's no spiritual pulse as long as live in the past. But when Jesus comes on the scene, something happens in our life. It begins to be a pulse. Suddenly we hear the Holy Spirit, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. How many of you can you remember when it was like God came on the scene and did CPR to your heart? I know I can. I can remember the, the place I was at, the moment it happened, and it was like all of a sudden life began to be breathed into me, and I was never the same after that moment. 
But Paul says, as a church, there was a time in our life when we were, we were dead in our own trespasses and sins. I'm so grateful that Paul could look back to these people and say, that used to be who you were. That was your identity at that moment. And our culture doesn't want to hear that. For some of us who haven't come to God, who haven't come to Christ, that may be the identity of where we're at today. We don't want God's truth to be applied to us. We don't God's truth to lead us. We want our own way. And in that place, our identity is someone who is stuck, who are spiritually dead in our own decisions. But I'm so grateful that the passage takes a turn. And you can see on the screen the second idea that we have together this morning is that we are alive in Christ. Christ brings life into our heart and into our life. There's great hope and great power in the phrase. And Paul talks about this several times in this passage. It is not by anything that you have done. It is not by some accomplishment that you have had or you didn't memorize enough Bible verses in order to be saved. Uh, you know, you didn't go to church every Sunday and every time the doors were open, and then finally God says, hey, you're in now, you're alive. And it says, by God's grace, you have been saved through faith. By God's grace and by grace alone. I read a, a, a post by a church member on a worship team and pastoral group, and they were like, how can we wow our Easter, our Easter visitors? I mean, what is the one thing we can do to just blow them out of the water? And, uh, and, and some churches have the money. You know, one church started, and they gave free iPods to everyone who came. And they can, our church isn't able to do that. And, and I just really lovingly posted on there, let's wow them with the gospel. Because the fact of the matter is, and there's nothing wrong with, with with being prepared, and we're going to make a wonderful breakfast for our visitors who come, and that may be our wow thing at First Friends for Easter, is a meal, and we all have learned together about the fellowship that we share there. But I can remember the Easter Sunday where the gospel wowed me. There wasn't a special gift that was like, oh, this is Jesus through this, you know, iPod that was given to me or whatever. It was the message that God had life to offer me. Life beyond something I'd ever found any other place with any other person, with any other family. And that Easter Sunday morning, I stood in my place and I said, Lord, I need your life in me. And something was born in that moment, in that place as I stood there, just quietly praying to the Lord. It was the, it was the admission that there was nothing that I would ever be able to do to deserve his love or to earn his grace or to obtain his favor. It was because Jesus died for me that life could be born. The Bible says, except the seed be planted in the earth and dies, no life can come. And Jesus' body was planted in the ground through death in order that you and I could have life and have life everlasting. And so this morning, the truth is, if we're believers, if we're followers of the Lord, if we have repented of our sins and obtained his grace through faith in Christ, then we are new creatures. New creatures in Christ. All old things have passed away. The old man has died. All things have become new. Jesus said, I've come to bring you life and to bring it life more abundantly. And does the world ever need to see a church today that is alive? Amen. A church that is alive in Jesus, not with fancy lights and extra programs and all of those things, but by people filling the pews who are empowered by the gospel, convinced by the gospel, 
impassioned by the gospel so that wherever they go, they share his love and share his message and invite people to church and encourage them to come and encourage them in their spiritual life and check on their neighbors and and ask if they can pray for them. And it is not about all the fancy things you can do, but it's about the Savior that you know, that God is able to bring new life into our community. In fact, I read a study years ago, I don't have the numbers with me, but they did a survey of, of large churches all over the United States, and, and you know, they, they spend, some of them, tens of thousands of dollars on Easter Sunday to wow the visitors. How many of the visitors, they came back to the church because of the wow factor, and it was almost non-existent? Not, that's not why they came. They came for connection. They came for fellowship. They came like I did because there was something missing in their life that only Jesus could provide. And they came because there was something happening. There was something alive in that place that they hadn't found anywhere else. Because Jesus was alive in the hearts of those people. And that's what I found at the church where I was saved is that for the first time, Christianity was living itself out right in front of me. Jesus was alive in the people around me. May the Holy Spirit make that true in each of us. Not that we have the best music on the planet or the best preaching, but that in our own heart and life, Jesus is alive inside of each one of us. We're going to have a time of open worship here in just a couple of minutes. And and I would encourage you to be praying in your own heart about what you could share of how you are alive in Christ or whatever else the Holy Spirit would place on your heart. Third and lastly this morning, truth about our identity in Christ is that we are God's amazing creation. I think that verse 10 is something that, I know I've read it many times, but as I was thinking about it this week, it says, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's special creation. We've talked a lot about who we are in Jesus, but have we shared and thought lately together that God looks at me and he sees something special. We may look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm special, all right, in all the wrong ways. You know, not much here, too much here, whatever it is that we see or wish was different. And yet, when God looks at us, he's special delight. I can remember when I was 13 years old, my uncle invited me over and wanted to invite me and my cousins over to to make a wood project together. And I hadn't been very comfortable about table saws, and I just knew I was going to chop a finger off, but... All my other cousins were going, so I kind of was like, well, I got I was the oldest, so I had to be there. And he's like, all right, guys, we're going to do two things. We're going to make a couple of picture frames for your moms, and we're going to make a, a really cool-looking birdhouse. I wish I had pictures so I could show you. And we worked on that for two or three weekends, and we'd go over there, and, and he would help us measure things out and, and, and uh, cut them and then nail them together, and then we stained them and... And I can tell you that um, up until I think they got burned in a fire a few years ago, every time I saw those, it's like, man, I remember that experience of creating that special gift. All the memories come rushing back. And when God looks at you and I, it's like that special project that he did. When he sees you, it's like, man, they are amazing. They are unique. There is no one else like them in the entire world. And I just think that as believers, we need, to, we need to understand that and live in that light to allow that to be a part of our identity because we just want to fit in. 
Don't we sometimes, we just, we don't want to stand out. We, we don't want to be noticed or we just want to be accepted by others. Sometimes we change who we are or the things that we say that others might accept us and that doesn't impress God. He didn't create us to try to prove a point or to try to stand out. He, we stand out because we were made by him. And we've talked together that we are blessed in Jesus. It says again in this passage something that we saw in the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 1 that when verse 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are specially designed by God to experience life in Christ in a beautiful, powerful, passionate, changing way. We are God's amazing creation. When was the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror or thought about the path and the journey that your life has taken? No matter what decisions you may have made or not, just the fact that you're living and breathing, God said, I'm going to make man in whose image? In mine. I'm going to make you are created in the image of God. Just the way that you are, God says, you are my amazing creation. I'm thinking, yeah, when when I think about Pete, I, I see the flaws. How many of you are like that? Real easy to see your shortcomings. And am I the only one like that? Oh, okay, there are others of you who, who are really hard on yourself. The devil especially knows if that's our weakness, and he just pushes that button. Or maybe he stabs us in the back and twists the knife a little bit. And we need to be reminded that in God's eyes, we are a special creation designed with a purpose. Every one of us. Every one of us, no matter what our training is, no matter what our background is, or our schooling is, or our position in life right now, are designed, you are designed, and I are designed, each of us, for a mission that only we could accomplish. God brought you into existence so that he could bring his life into your dead heart, shower you with his presence, so that you could accomplish his plan for you on this earth. Not that so you could spend your life regretting decisions you made in the past or wishing you could get everything figured out in order so that you could serve him. He wants you to serve him right now where you are. And then allow his Holy Spirit to fashion and shape you from this point on. I can remember a time in my early Christian life where, where I had been saved and, and experiencing God, but, but there were just some things in my past that I couldn't let go of. I couldn't, I couldn't get past. And, and so I said to, the God, to God something like this, when when I, when I get that figured out, then I'll be worthy to serve you. And I struggled with that for a number of months. I was like, Lord, until I get this figured out or I can forgive myself, I'm not worthy to serve you. And, and he, he kept whispering to me, well, I, if you weren't worthy, then why did I call you? The passage at the end of this says, it is grace, through grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's God's gift to you. Not by your own works, so that no one could boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. Even though we are born sinners, God still hardwired us for mission. Even though we are born with a dark heart, God still created the pathway to a shining bright light in each and every one of us. And he has a mission and a plan for us as we discover new life and existing life and continued life in Christ. And I think about the people that I met in my lifetime in the church, and, and I am just, I'm drawn to those who get this. I'm drawn to those, even though they've had dark moments, 
They may have thought they were physically going to leave this earth. may have had a difficult family experience or a difficult thing with their job, and they've hit those really rough patches in life, but yet they can still continue to see God's light shine. They can still continue to realize that God has a purpose for them to be here. They continue to realize that God is leading them forward, not keeping them stuck in the past. And there's something about people like that that excite me and and encourage me to realize that even though we all battle something, we may have many struggles. The fact of the matter is that we are God's special creation designed with a purpose even before we were born. God had a plan for us to accomplish. And no matter where your life is taking, no matter how you feel about yourself this morning, you are God's special creation designed with a purpose in mind in order to glorify him. Sometimes our identity is stuck years ago in the past. And God wants a new understanding to come our way of who we are in him. And when we understand who we are in him, then we're able to be used by him in a special way as we follow his light. It took me a number of years to kind of work through this process of my own life as, as I struggled with my own journey, but I'm so grateful this morning that I can look back on, and, and I could admit, and we all should, whether we can or not, that before I knew Christ, I was spiritually dead. The decisions I made were based on what Peter wanted, what Peter thought was best for him, what felt good to Peter, what sounded good to Peter, everything that I did was to please myself. But the problem with that was that the harder I tried to be happy, the darker my experience got. The more unhappy I was, the more unfulfilled I became until suddenly the EMT of the heavens came down and said, hey, there's a different way to do this. Let's do this in me. Let's let the old man die and let me create a new person through the gift of grace, through faith in my son Jesus. And there have been hard moments. There have been difficult trials. There's been grief and sorrow and loss and frustration. And and we all could make a list of the things that we've been through as believers. But we're still alive, right? Our spiritual hearts are still pumping. God is still doing something in us. And this morning, as I thought about this passage this last week, for me, it was a reminder that, hey, God is still, God is still doing something. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose for us. And as we're reminded of that fact, no matter where we've been or where we've come from, we're left with this realization, I hope, I pray, that we can stand up from our pews and realize that no matter where we've been or who we are, we are God's special creature. There's no one else like you on this earth. And he calls us to stand up from our pews in just a few moments and go out of these doors and not just have another day, but fulfill the mission that he created only you to accomplish. There's an identity change right there. To live every day with the knowledge that there's something, someone to touch that no one else can touch but you. Reminder of the caveat, in Christ, we are a new creature, we have new life. Created by God's amazing genius imagination to accomplish what only you could accomplish for his glory. 
And I think that was so powerful about the early church. They didn't have another church to compare themselves to. They, they were it. In the community where they lived, it was either believe in God or die. And there was no doubt in their mind where their allegiance lies. They knew they were God's amazing creation with a purpose in him. This morning, we're going to have a time together just to share. It may be something that God has done in your life this week. It may be a scripture that's on your heart. It might just be something that the Holy Spirit is doing or saying to you through this time together. I just want to share from my heart that I'm grateful that God delights in me. There hasn't been too many times in my life where I could proverbially, I guess, look God in the eyes and say, I'm okay with what you've made. In fact, thank you, God, that I'm strange, that I'm different, that I'm unique, that I'm special, that you've created me in my own personality and and place in life so that I can accomplish what no one else could accomplish. And I think naturally the heart of a believer is, Lord, help me to have a stronger faith, a better understanding of who I am in order that I could be closer to fulfilling the mission and the purpose that you've had for me. And I just want to thank the Lord for this morning for his love. I mean, Paul was really clear. There is none of this that you did that I could ever do to deserve any of this. In fact, even though I was born dead in my sins, God still loves me. And I'm so thankful this morning for a God who loves so purely, so passionately, so powerfully, that in spite of my humanity, he's like, man, you're something else. In fact, you're so much something else, there's something I need you to do. And I'm excited to be a part of it. We uh, have a mic here. If anyone wants to raise their hand, I can pass it around if you'd want to share during the time of worship. Just let me know.